Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 tonight as we continue our study through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Let's begin reading verses 15 through 21. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Amen. Last week, I talked about how Paul was striving for all he could while he was running his race here below. He wanted to attain unto the resurrection of the dead, or he wanted to attain to all the glory that he could that is associated with our resurrection. But remember, he followed that up with, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. He knew that he had not arrived at a perfect state. He knew that he was not complete in glory but he was going to keep at it. And so he says, but I follow after, which is from the same Greek word used for press in verse 14 where Paul said, I press toward the mark. And so Paul was saying, I'm going to keep racing to apprehend the one who has apprehended me. He wanted to seize Christ who had seized him years earlier. He was still racing. And he followed that thought up with, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now that word count means he took an inventory. He looked at his life, he did a calculation, and he realized on his own, I have not arrived yet. So in order to keep pressing, he decided, I'm going to forget those things that are behind me. And that would include not only his failures, but his successes. I'm going to forget those things that are behind me and I'm going to keep my eye on the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so he says, I press toward the mark. Ultimately, Paul knew he would never attain to the glory that is associated with the resurrection without going through the process of death. But that didn't keep him from running his race to win. He was still going to chase after Christ with all of his heart, his mind, his soul, and his strength. And we ought to be desirous of the same thing that Paul said he was after. Amen. And so we need to run our race, which has been set before us, while looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I don't know about you, but I need these reminders from time to time in my walk with God. Sometimes I get my eyes off the prize. And I begin to set my affections on things below. 
Sometimes those affections are even ministry related. But even ministry desires can cause a lack of focus. It can cloud our vision from the main prize of Christ Himself. Jesus told Martha, you're cumbered about with much serving. She was ministering, amen? She was desirous to keep those who came to hear Jesus served with whatever they were eating and taking care of cleaning and all the rest associated with that. All those who had come to hear Jesus, she was ministering to them. So she was ministry focused, but she was not Christ focused. And Jesus let her know, you're missing out on the main thing. You need to be like Mary over here who's learning at my feet. And so even sometimes we can have quote-unquote right affections, but they can be misplaced because we've gotten our eyes off Christ. We can get so focused on the serving that we lose sight of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we have to keep reaching forth for what is really important. And that is Christ Himself. Being found in His likeness. Now, that was a recap, but also to remind us of what Paul had just covered before verse 15, because he starts verse 15 with, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Now, Paul just got done writing in verse 12 that he was not perfect. And here he says, those of you who are perfect, so what gives? Well, there are two different Greek words for perfect. In verse 12, perfect is a state of being completely finished. Complete perfection. Remember the context there in verse 12 is attaining unto the resurrection of the dead. Which we know, as we just read here in verse 21, our vile body will be changed into, what does it say, like unto His glorious body. And so Paul there in in verse 12 is talking about complete perfection, but here in verse 15, he's talking about maturity in the Lord. It's referring to those who have grown up, those who have become mature in their faith. And so Paul is calling on believers who are mature to be like-minded in what he just explained in the previous verses. Not having any confidence in the flesh that we may win Christ. Let us be thus minded. If you're grown up in Christ, if you're mature in Christ, then that ought to be your goal. And, Christ, and Paul says, we ought to be thus minded. We ought to be thinking of that way. We ought to be reaching for Christ. We ought to keep growing in our knowledge of Christ. We should desire to know the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. We should keep growing. We should keep desiring these things. And, and not to think that we are somebody or someone who has actually attained complete glory, or completely attained to the full likeness of Christ in this life, but that we're to run our race to win by forgetting those things which are behind, pressing toward the prize. Be thus minded. This is why I despise the mediocrity movement of our day. If you just compete, you're a winner. No, you're not. Where did that idea come from? 
we're seeing a generation of lazy bums. This whole idea that it's okay just to be mediocre. It's not biblical. And if it's not coming from the Bible, then where is that mindset coming from? This whole socialism push in our country, it's nothing more than a national move to mediocrity. Why strive to be your best if we're all going to end up at the same level anyhow? What does Syndrome say in Incredibles? When everyone's super, then nobody will be? We're becoming even more lazy in our society. And more laziness breeds more mediocrity. Meanwhile, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost here, Paul is saying we all need to give it our best. We don't need to settle for mediocrity. We don't need mediocre Christians. But we should strive to be victorious Christians. That's what the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul said, Know ye not they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. So this idea that "Ah, you're all winners. No, the Bible says you ought to run to win. You ought to run because there's a prize to be won. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.5, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. In other words, there's a right way and a wrong way to compete in our race. There's a right way and a wrong way to go for the prize. But only those who do it lawfully will be crowned. In the previous verses, verses 7 through 14, Paul gave us the lawful way to strive for the mastery. And now he's calling these Philippians to be like-minded. And we ought to aim for complete perfection in Christ. Because listen, I know, I know. Well, you just don't understand what I'm going through and I just can't get victory. And we start settling for mediocrity. Well, you just don't understand, I'm so busy and I'm just too tired to come to church on Sunday night or Wednesday night. And it breeds mediocrity. Well, you just don't understand, I got to be up work early and I don't have time to read my Bible. Mediocrity sets in. You see what I'm saying? And we've got to be careful about it because we ought to be aiming for perfection. Paul said, I'm I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to attain it. Even though he knew deep down he's not going to get it this side of heaven. He said, that's what I'm going for. If any of you are content to settle for mediocrity, or if any are willing to trust in themselves, or if any are willing to trust in their circumcision, as he explained earlier in the chapter, or if any think that they have arrived then I trust God will show you the error of your thinking. And He will show you in those areas where you need to grow. And in this, we see that there ought to be some amount of grace and patience when it comes to those who are not yet mature in Christ. Because look what he says there at the end of verse 15. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So now he turns his attention to those who maybe don't have the same view. There's going to be Christians that are striving for for the very best that they can be in the Christian life. But then there's going to be others that say, I'm content. I'm happy where I'm at. And and Paul here, he he doesn't go on this rant. He just says, I just trust God's going to reveal that to you. 
And we see in this that we need discernment. There are times when maybe we need to say something. There's times when we don't. And Paul here, he says, you know, I'm just going to trust that God is going to be at work in your life. So there ought to be a certain amount of grace that we give to others. There should be a certain amount of patience that we extend. Because we ought to remember where we came from. Chances are, you weren't born walking with God. You probably weren't born with a King James Bible in your hand. You had to be taught. You had to grow. You had to learn. And we ought to have some patience here when we're dealing with other people. In this context, Paul was trusting that God would be at work. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says, There is a time to keep silence and the time to speak. <laughs> Amen. Too many have been hurt by those who just had to say something. And sometimes the hurt has been so deep, they've stopped running their race. I had an issue with somebody recently that I was dealing with. It, it was a life issue, a life lesson. And I finally had to come to the place where I realized no amount of my lecturing was going to help matters any further. In fact, I could see where presenting my case was starting to cause what I thought maybe was dangerously close to becoming bitter. You could see it in their eyes. And so I made the decision that I was just going to step back from it a little bit. Now, I'll still help as they might allow me. Right? You hear what I'm saying? They come to me, sure. If they, if, if they want help, sure. But I was going to stop pressing the issue and just allow God to reveal to them what they needed to learn. Even though this probably means they will end up learning the hard way. And that can be difficult to watch at times. Now, my motives were right. My counsel was sound. But that's only as good as it's received. It's definitely one thing I've learned as pastor. I can preach on blue in the face and you're going to do what you want to do. So why are you preaching? I, I, just because God called me. Just to be clear, this issue had nothing to do with anything sinful. It wasn't like this person was going to hurt themselves over it or anything like that. Uh, they weren't blatantly throwing their lives away. And if somebody's in that position, I say take advantage of every opportunity you can. I think we understand what I'm saying. But sometimes in order for somebody to grow, we just need to pull back and allow God to take over. There's times we just need to give space for the Holy Spirit to convict in a person's life. Just as there is coming a day when our works will be judged by fire to see what will remain... So sometimes we have to allow people to go through the fires of life and they have to learn the painful way for certain lessons. Psalm 25, 8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore He will teach sinners in the way. We need to understand that God loves His children far more than we do. So we can trust that when we aren't able to get through to them, God will but it'll be in His time, 
and in His way. We just need to learn to trust His process. And I think that's the difficult part. Letting somebody go and then trust God that He's going to get a hold of them. It may take them to the hog pen. That's okay. Because God can send a drought in the whole land to draw one sinner back to his father's house. We got to trust. And we need to be careful because in our zeal, we can come across like we want to be the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. But in reality, many times we're just responding in our flesh. And oftentimes this causes more harm than good while we're trying to pull the speck out of somebody's eye, they're looking at us and seeing a beam in our eye. There's a difference between judging a situation and being judgmental. So we need to pray for discernment in every situation. Now, let's continue this thought just a bit into verse 16. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. And so though we're going to be at different growth levels in a church, Paul says, nevertheless, or notwithstanding, those differences which exist between the mature Christians and the immature Christians, we need to walk in what we know has been revealed to us. One of the greatest problems I have observed in our independent Baptist movement in my lifetime is that there are some people who want everybody else to be at their level of spirituality. Well, this is a problem. Because as Paul already pointed out in the previous verses, none of us have arrived. And none of us are going to fully arrive this side of glory. And so it's a problem. It puffs people up into believing that there's something when we're all nothing. And our measuring stick for our spirituality isn't to be somebody else, but it's to be the Lord Jesus Christ. I've observed this mindset from other pastors. And they end up driving away those who are either immature or they're hurting, all because the pastor wanted them to be at this higher level. You ought to be up here. And it causes people to leave. And then the pastor will have the audacity to say, you're the problem. It's sad to watch. It's like there's no patience for growth in a person's life. But when we plant a garden, we don't see immediate results. Not to mention, all God told us to do was to plant in the water. Besides, a healthy church is one, I believe, that has all growth levels. Some that are mature, some that are right in the middle, some that are immature, some even maybe need to be saved. We ought to have different levels in our church. We don't all need to be up here because we ought to be reaching people who need to grow. But when we take an approach that everyone needs to be at a certain level, we unknowingly end up placing a burden upon them that they are not ready to bear at their maturity level. You don't come out of the womb ready to fight. Ready to run. In fact, you can't even walk. You're pretty much useless. Not even pretty much. 
You just lay there. So there are seasons of growth. The Bible is clear that believers are to move from the milk of God's Word to the meat of His Word, but there has to be a teething process somewhere to take place. I believe we are given this principle over in Acts chapter 15. If you'll recall, Paul and Barnabas, they had made a trip to Jerusalem to discuss with the apostles how the Judaizers that were teaching circumcision after the manner of Moses in order for the Gentiles to be saved. They went to Jerusalem to have a conversation with the apostles about it. And Peter stood up in the midst of them and he said in Acts 15, 10, and 11, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. And then James, he, he speaks up. And he said in Acts 15, verses 19 and 20, Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. And then the apostles, they wrote a letter to the Gentiles for them to carry back. And in Acts 15, 28, it says in this letter, For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And so Paul is saying in our text, while we're all at different stages of growth, meanwhile, let's all be sure that we're doing the necessary things. You ever met that person that dresses just right? They think that's their spirituality level? Come to find out they're a harlot? Amen. You see, we look at all these other things as our basis of our spirituality. And the Bible says, what are the necessary things? Are you even doing those? I'm not against the good dress. Amen. But it's amazing what we put up there as the standard. Paul, he says, look, we're all at different growth levels, but in the meantime, let's all walk in the things that we have attained to. That's what he said there in verse 16. Whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. That phrase, let us walk, in verse 16, it's a military term. It means to march in rank and file, to keep in step. In other words, what I believe this is saying is, we as a church body, we need to keep heading in the right path. We all need to be heading in the same direction. We've been marching, let's keep marching in that direction. And military units are made up of all kinds of skill levels. Where you are assigned, there will be some who have combat experience, some who will be nearing retirement eligibility, some who will be new recruits with no experience. Therefore, some will be trusted more than others. But we're all in the same unit. And we're all in the same fight. And we all face the same enemy. And so whatever skill level you have attained to, keep it. Don't lose your ground. And that's what we're being told here. Keep going forward. And if you'll do that, you will learn more and more. You'll be entrusted with more and you'll gain more experience. So don't give up your ground. Whatever progress you have made in your race, don't go backwards. Whatever victories you've already experienced, don't give up that territory. And regardless of where an individual is at, let us all keep the prize before us. Whether they're new, whether they're old, we all are looking at the same prize. You catching what I'm saying here? Let us all keep looking in the same direction. We're all in this together. Let us mind the same thing. Let us stay focused on the mission. 
So as far as we have been enlightened to our responsibilities in the faith, we need to do it heartily, using the Bible as our guide, looking to Christ, and considering all the other brethren, our fellow soldiers in Christ. Paul is calling them to unity again. We've already seen this a couple times already in this letter. We need to unify around what we know is right, and then be kindly affection towards those who still need help. Romans 12.10 Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Those who are more spiritually mature and grown up need to be patient with new Christians. We should never despise those who are weaker and less mature. And likewise, new believers need to be careful about judging those who are old in the faith. If you've never put on a pair of boxing gloves, be careful how hard you judge the one that just got knocked down. There's always somebody that's going to tell you how to run your race and they ain't even put on a pair of running shoes. Nobody likes a Monday morning quarterback. Nobody enjoys a backseat driver. Remember when Barney Fife would try to give Andy parenting advice? Barney never parented a day in his life. And yet he thought he knew better how to raise Opie than Andy. But who do you think had Opie's best interest in mind? Would it not be his father? Some people think they know how to pastor a church, and they've never done it. I'll tell you what I do through COVID. (laughs) Some people think they know how to lead a choir. They can't even read music. Well, I'll tell you how you ought to be doing things around here. If you change this and you bring that, hey, you know what? Shut up. But listen, we can all go forward in the fundamentals of the faith. We can all press toward the same mark. We can all march together for the cause of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So we can all delight in God's Word. We can all agree to try and perfect holiness in our lives. We can all agree to love God and each other. We can all agree that we're not going to allow petty differences to divide us. Instead of focusing on minor issues where we disagree, how about we focus on all the other areas where we do agree? Man, I've had this fight with other pastors and it drives me insane. I'm like, we agree on like 98% of everything. Why are you taking this one little sliver and saying, that's it, we can't fellowship? How about we focus on what we do agree on, those things that are important, I'm not talking about compromise, but I am talking about giving grace. Now, this mindset will unify us. It'll bring us together rather than tear us apart. And then we can just allow God to reveal to each and every one of us where we need to be. You don't have to be the clothing police around here. You don't have to be the Bible police around here. I could keep going on, but I think you get the point. If we would take this approach, it would alleviate a lot of the unnecessary criticisms and divisions which tend to come up along the way. So in closing, may we love each other. Be patient with each other. Exhort one another. And may we just cheer each other on in this race that has been set before us. Your race is different than mine and mine is different from yours and we may not understand all that we're going through, but we can encourage each other towards the same prize. Let's pray.